Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. It is podcast number 51. My name's Neil. I'm joined here with Brent. Welcome. Uh, thanks. Good to be here. It's number 51, but it's podcast number one on our new set. That's correct. We have some new mics, mm. some new arms, uh, and we sound probably not that much different, but maybe a little bit different. These are mics that uh, were funded by our Patreon people over the past year. It's taken us uh, it's taken us a year to uh, get the camera and the mics, uh, all thanks to you guys on Patreon. Uh, it did take a while. We don't make a lot of money on Patreon, mm-hmm. but uh, we are very grateful of the money that we do make on Patreon, and it's allowed us to get stuff like this and just make the show better. So. And, and these things are beautiful, and they've also allowed you to redo the whole desk arrangement, so now we're in Tim and Sid mode, Yeah, I a guess little bit, you'd yeah. say, but uh, it's great. Yeah, so we, we took the old desk and we flipped it around. Uh, those who are listening to this podcast and not watching will find this a little bit difficult to visualize, but we took the old desk, we flipped it around into a V, and we're kind of sitting diagonal. And so I can look at you without the mics being in the way, and I can look at you in the camera without the mics being in the way. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a really good setup. The, uh, the crotch of the V is pointing towards the camera, and we're at either side of the outside of the table part. So. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We, we did a test with these mics, and <laughs> it went pretty well. This is only the second time that we've used these mics, so yeah. there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve more on the technical side of, of how close I need to be and how far away I need to be. There's a bit of a, p- 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 a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're, we're popping the P's a bit, so we have to adjust levels and our distances from the mic to make it non-popping, but also still full enough audio. So. Exactly. So we're, we're, it's a bit of a learning process. Uh, these are really nice <laughs> mics, probably a little bit too nice. <laughs> They're picking up a little bit more than we wanted, so uh, it's going to be... It's going to be a little bit of a learning process, um, but please bear with us. It won't be too bad. I mean, there's a oh, yeah. really good sounding mics. So yeah. uh, one thing we noticed it was catching our like breathing. If we're not talking, they're so sensitive that it's catching our breathing. So uh, we had to move back a little bit. So little things like that. It's going to take us a little bit uh, yeah. to get used to. But this is actually going to be the setup for literally every single thing that we produce, the podcast or a regular video. In the regular videos, we won't have headphones on probably. Um, but yeah, this is it. This is what it's going to look like. Yeah. So, well, looking forward to mm. many, many more down here. I'm not sure what the next upgrade is. Probably a better uh, mixer that has more XLR inputs, so we could have more people on the show potentially. Yeah, we have physically now have room for four people. Yeah, technically, yeah. We could sit somebody beside me and one beside you, and we would just need two more microphone inputs into our board to make it work right. Yeah. Which right now we can't. No, we only have two. So the yeah. next one up from that mixer is the Behringer whatever. I'm not even sure what it's called, but it's around $224 Canadian. Uh, actually, it's exactly $224 Canadian. So it's going to take a little bit of a time to save up for that, but that's okay. Uh, that's part of the process and, oh, yeah. and, and and all the stuff. So just a big thank you once again to our Patreon uh, members who contribute every single month. And the, everyone's little contributions add up. And over months and months and months, uh, we were able to save for this. So you guys are absolute rock stars. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And speaking of Patreon members, Friday night, there was a game between Dallas and Boston. Oh, right, and three right. of our Patreon members uh, were there together. They, were, they spent the whole week together in Dallas. So we got Cordell and uh, Mika and Joey all having a time down there. And uh, they went to go see that game. Pretty boring game, unfortunately. It's a one nothing win in, in overtime for Dallas. Boring, but things happened. Things happened. Well, Brad Marchand happened. 
Brad Marchand happened. He's, yeah, a, we, he's a thing, I guess. He is a thing. <laughs> he's a thing of uh, of weird proportions. Yeah. Uh, wow. And the the cool thing about this is that Mika, who is Finnish, and he he's traveled all the way all the way from Finland. He's vlogged the entire thing on his YouTube channel, which is I think they're I think all the videos are public. So if you guys want to go watch the videos and and see their experience, you definitely should. His YouTube name is. Uh, Mika 89, I think is M I I K A space 89. If you search that on YouTube and click the filter button and filter by channels, you should find him and all the videos are there. Uh, they're awesome. You get to see their experience. They got tattoos yesterday. Oh, really? Two, two of the three of them got tattoos. I'm not sure which two of the three. I know that Mika's one and I think T Park was the other one, Cordell. So I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet though. I, that vlog hasn't released yet. I'm looking forward to it. So. What uh, were the tattoos? Mika's was on the back of his shoulder, I think. I don't, I don't know where T, uh, Cordell's was, but yeah, uh, I'm Mika underscore eighty nine is the uh, underscore underscore. Yeah, so is that the URL or the channel name? Uh, the channel name. Once you get into YouTube and do a search, so it's M I I K A underscore eight nine, and it comes up. The channel name is Mika eighty nine with no underscore, yeah, so it's yeah. just a space. But uh, yeah, that's right. So it's uh, Mika eighty nine, and. Uh, Park is Cordell is seen on one of them, and the headline is, we went to the most boring hockey game ever. Yeah. Texas trip vlog number seven. Five views so far, so hopefully that'll be at least a couple hundred by the time yeah, go, the go, weekend's over. Yeah, go give them some views, watch the videos, um, subscribe, give, some, give Mika some encouragement. He'd make some other vlogs too, so if you have any any interest in seeing what Finland is like. Yeah, uh, that's go, cool. Go I, I can't wait to see. You had given me the name last night, and I did a search, but I didn't get it right. I had okay. 98 instead of 89. I couldn't find him. So oh. <laughs> now I've got him. I've got him right here in my laptop. I will look later on. Awesome. Yeah. So the, just back to the Brad Marchand thing. Did you see what he did when he was in the penalty box? Didn't he wave a white flag or something? Well, that, that was the second time. He went in the first time, and somebody, you know how Vancouver has the two guys, right? The, oh, yes, yes, yes. The, anyway, the uh, the green men or whatever. So in this case, it was just a fan, but the fan was sitting across the glass, probably in the front row, and Marchand was to the fan's right, and the fan was giving him, you know, faces and things. I think it was a lady, or maybe not a lady, but a woman. And uh, anyway, Marchand's looking at her, and saying, how much did you pay to see me tonight? How much did you pay to see me tonight? In other words, like, I'm doing what you want. Yeah. You, you paid money to come in here and you got me. Yeah. And uh, so that was his attitude. Now I'm thinking, this is Dallas. How much do people have to pay to go into a Dallas hockey game? Probably not as much as they'd play in Madison Square Gardens. Or, no, probably not. Or they'd pay in the ACC or the Scotiabank Center, whatever they call it in Toronto now. Mm. Uh, but I'm thinking the answer to that question probably is not something Marchand would really want to know. <laughs> I guess he, so, yeah. He probably didn't pay very much. No. <laughs> there were a lot of Boston jerseys in that game. Yeah. A lot of Boston fans. Yeah. But uh, what a guy. And then he did the surrender towel. And I, I, I think the penalty he got called on was quite cheap, actually. Now, the surrender towel is a different thing. But he got – he basically was standing in the crease, and he just tapped the goalie, just Bishop. He just tapped him. A, a little bit, and Bishop went sideways. Yeah. He really sold it, and they gave Marchand two minutes for slashing. I thought that was a cheap penalty. One hundred percent. Don't think it should have been called at all. No, nope, Marchand should not have gotten a penalty there. Yeah, but there's a million other times where he should have got a penalty and never got one. It's so. about reputation. Oh, that's right. That's right. It followed him right to the crease. Exactly. And he got that penalty, and uh, he was in the penalty box. That's when he put the just one of those Gatorade white towels on the end of a stick and held it up. <laughs> I, I surrender. <laughs> but he's such a, like, the things he's 
he does. Like his first penalty when he was in there, I can understand in the heat of the moment you lose your brain yeah. and you do something dumb. And a lot of players do that, and Brad Marchand is, is one of them. But when you've had time to think and your filter has had time to work and you still do dumb things, I don't know if you can fix that. I don't think you can at all. No. No, it's just it's who he is. It's mm-hmm. who he is. Uh, so, yeah, that's basically wraps up what I want to say about uh, that group of people in that game. I'm wearing this jersey because uh, Mika's a Flyers fan. So okay. just as a thank you for filming that entire experience and sharing it with us. Uh, that uh, that game, it, it was a record-breaking game. It was, actually. It's yeah. the first time that Dallas has won one nothing that resulted in an overtime goal. So that's ever cool. ever yeah ever. Yeah, that's that's great. Which is strange. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, milestones and and records set this past weekend, and the weekend's only half over. What other ones were? Well, this uh, oh Max Domi, Max Domi, and and there's some debate now as to whether oh I think there's some debate. Sportsnet tw- tweeted out an interesting stat that he's got the most goals for a newcomer in the first twenty games in the history of the Montreal Canadiens. Right. Which I don't think is true because the NHL Public Relations Bureau released a different stat yesterday. Oh. And uh, they said that he's the first guy since the 1918-1919 season when Odie Cleghorn did it. Cleghorn? Odie Cleghorn for the Montreal Canadiens. And he got 30 points in his first 20 games as a Hab. Oh, wow. So if that stat is true, and I think NHL Public Relations probably has the authority rather than Sportsnet. Yeah. It's it's the first time since then that anyone has gotten 24 or more points in his first 20 games as a Montreal Canadian. Wow. And that's that's incredible. It is inc- incredible, yeah. Especially, you know, Max Domi has 24 points in his first 20 games. Eric Carlson scored his very first goal as a San Jose Shark yesterday. He did the first was the first goal of the game, I think it was maybe. I think so. And he that, that was his 21st game as a Shark and he got his first goal. Mm. So it's pretty hard to compare they, that. They but. talked about it, and we can talk about this later or now, yeah. but they talked about, uh, it's all about how you treat your situation. What was that? It probably was me. Unacceptable. We are filming a legit broadcast here. That is that is awful. That is awful. I will, uh, I'll make that go away, and it's now, it's now done. What about your laptop? My laptop has already been muted. All right. You can walk around here and look if you want. <laughs> no, that's okay. There's a little X down there. Um... It, they talked about the mentality of when you're traded and you're coming to a new team, you you are what you make of it. I mean, Max Domi could have come and played lackluster and stuff, but he bought into it just like Thomas Tatar did and a few others on, on teams around the league. When you get traded and you come in and like you want to embrace it and stuff, like James Neal in Calgary hasn't really embraced it that much. Mm-hmm. We watched the game last night. He looked pretty lazy, to be honest, even though they won. But. And the other thing about that is you come onto a new team who has maybe an entirely different system than the team you came from. So it's not just you fitting in and embracing things. It's you even knowing where you should be exactly. in, in relationship to your new teammates. And to still be so successful at that kind of uh, early time with a brand new team, whichever team it is, is really something else. It, it speaks to a player's dedication, but it also, may, maybe there's a bit of luck or the player's ability to learn sitting in the classroom and going through it with all the different coaches, you know, where we want to be in our set plays and things like that. Fantastic. Is a, There's a lot just to to take in when you get traded or you start a new season fresh. You ha, you're living in a new city, so you're not used to getting around and stuff and driving. You have to probably buy a house or apartment. 
you have to if you have kids you have to deal with that like there's so much stuff off the ice that you have to deal with as a new player mm-hmm. that could distract you on the ice and stuff so it is tough and it's easier for a young young kid like Domi harder for James Neal who I don't know yeah. if he has kids or he's probably married and has kids but I, I would I expect not sure yeah but uh yeah it's there's a lot of I mean we're quick to judge I, I'm quick to judge on James Neal but mm-hmm. maybe there's stuff stuff going on that we don't know about that's right so yeah good point yeah not maybe unfair for me to to do that Anyway, uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about was the game recaps, but I guess we already talked about a bunch of stuff. But Talked about a few, but we haven't talked about the one that uh, you're wearing the jersey for. That game yesterday was unbelievable. That was the first game, I think, on... There was, I guess there was two, two early games on last night, but yeah. that we watched the Philadelphia-Tampa game. And <laughs> it was interesting because... I'll just skip the majority of the game into the third period. Right. It was about 12 minutes left. 5-1 for Tampa. And we were talking about what we were going to have for supper. We decided we'll have some hamburgers, and but we needed hamburger buns. So I agreed that I would go out and get them. And uh, mom had asked, when are you going to go get them or something like that? I said, well, I'll go when the game's over. Uh, not that, that not that anything's going to happen. And, yeah. you, and you said... And I said, I said, the chances of a Philadelphia coming back after being down 5-1 with only about 10 minutes left to play is minus 6. Minus 6%. Minus 6%. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then Philadelphia scored four goals <laughs> and tied up the game. They scored four goals in six minutes and four seconds yeah. with less than 10 minutes to go. <laughs> That's the first time ever that a team has come back from a four goal deficit in the last 10 minutes of a regular season game to tie ever. Wow. Ever. Yeah. So we watched history in that sense too yesterday. Huh. Very interesting. Cause I, I was trying to think back at, at games, I was thinking of the Boston-Toronto game in the playoffs in 2013 or something like that. Yeah. When Toronto gave up that lead, but it was a 4-1 lead, 4-1 lead not a 5-1 lead. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. First time in NHL history that's happened. With that, 10 minutes to go, down four goals, it's never been done before yesterday. That seems a little strange. It does. It but, seems like that, kind of like the Dallas one, you think that would have been broken by now. But, yeah. Huh. Well. But anyways, uh, Tampa, as probably everyone who's listening knows, Tampa won in... Uh, overtime. It was, yeah, so. it, it was a heartbreaker for Philly because they'd yeah. gone so hard to come back and get the game tied. They did end up getting a mercy point out of it, but they really, they were on pace for a win there. And for Tampa to spoil that is awful. Yeah. But at one point, Tampa was ahead 3-1, but Philadelphia was up in shots 35-15. to Yeah. Unacceptable. Really? Unacceptable. Philadelphia had no business even really being in that game if you're going to let in three or four goals on 30 shots or whatever, mm-hmm. like, or not 30, 16 shots. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Do you know how many first round draft picks Tampa had on the ice last night in its lineup? Uh, this is four? a team that drafts well. Eight. 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 Tampa has eight first round of its own first round, not, not other players they've gotten. These yeah. are players they drafted. Eight of them were in the lineup last night. First round Tampa Bay picks. Can I guess? Uh, you, you could. I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> what? You can't throw out a stat like that and then not know the eight. Well, I, they didn't give it to me when I when I saw it. They, they actually mentioned it on, in the game broadcast yesterday. Oh. And you must have stepped out. But it was uh, eight. Eight of their own first round draft picks all playing. I think it's Stamkos, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Hedman, Gord. I'm not sure if point was first or second round. I don't know the others. I don't know. And even someone like Sergachev, he wouldn't count because they didn't draft That's him. That's true, yeah. Right? 
So th- they have more than eight, but eight that they drafted. Yeah, it, it's insane. It's insane that the and it shows how well a team has done with scouting and drafting and hanging on to the player once they've gotten yeah. them drafted. Yeah, they're a team that that drafts well. Detroit's another team that drafts really well. Very well. Yeah. yeah. I think there was actually a poll on Twitter. Someone put it out: What team drafts the best? And someone had Montreal. Montreal was in like second with like twenty three percent. Like, well, do you know anything about Montreal? Well, but just think about it. They draft the best. They're just not smart enough to hang on to the players that they draft. <laughs> I guess they gave away McDonough. They gave away Sergachev. They gave away Subban. They gave away. So the drafting part is easy. It's it's the stupid decisions afterwards that screw it up. A little bit, say. yeah. I guess I see that. But anyway, speaking of Detroit. They won three two against New Jersey. Uh huge comeback win. Mm-hmm. Did did you watch the highlights of that game? I did. Did you know that that's the fourth time in six games that Detroit's come back and won? That's crazy. That's almost as good as Calgary's comeback streak streak. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Did you know that Detroit has the best um last ten game record? Since October twentieth in the last thirteen games, they've only had four regulation losses. And they're eight two and zero in the last ten. That's best in the league. That's crazy. Best in the league. Good things happen in the Motor City. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see what's the next game. Buffalo and Minnesota. Buffalo shows resiliency once again. Mm-hmm. Comes out with the win. Now they're one, two, three, four, five, sixth in the league. The jerseys behind us are in order of current standings. There's games going on today, so these will change as of tonight. But um, currently sixth in the league. Absolutely amazing. And that was another comeback. They were down yeah. 2 nothing in that game. Yeah. And they, they tied it up late, and the, the the winning goal, the third goal, was scored within the last two minutes of that game. Yeah. With just a little over a minute left, they scored it with, you know, five on five. And they took the win. It's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. Do you know the, any plus minus stats of that team? I do not. I want to share some with you, because this is very strange. Usually... Things are spread pretty even. You have the person with the best plus minus is only a couple ahead of the next person. And the person with the worst plus minus is only a couple ahead of the next person. It's not like that on Buffalo. Ristolainen is a minus 11. <laughs> next is Larson, minus 4. That's a huge gap. Wow. I know plus minus. You'd say, well, what are you talking about plus minus 4? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not, but sometimes it matters. That's a huge gap. If you look at the plus side, Skinner's a plus 13. The next highest is Palmville at a plus six. These are big gaps in plus minus. I don't think there's a team out there with another uh, big gap in plus minus, but could be wrong. But mm-hmm. anyway, next game was the Montreal-Vancouver uh, game. Pretty even game. We, of course, watched this game. A pretty even game. It was. For the most part. Yeah, it, it was quite an even game. Frustrating almost yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, Pedersen was good. Now, we talked about how to pronounce his name. We did, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Well, we thought we had it nailed because he himself gave an interview and said it's Peterson. He did, and I rewatched it, mm. and he said that his name is pronounced Pat- pronounced Peterson, but in, he, Canada. He, in Canada he hears people call him Peterson, and he likes that. So he wants to be called Peterson, but his name's actually pronounced Peterson. So whether, regardless of how you say it, you're going to say it right. So yeah. don't worry about it. I'm going to say Peterson. Me too. I think I'm going back to Peterson. Me too. Because there's two T's in it. Yes. If there two T's, means that the E is short instead of long. So long T. Two T's, long E. Oh. There are two T's, short E. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, Price is good. He was very good. And Duran sucks. He was terrible, except the fact that he got the winning goal. Yeah, other than that, but he he's just floating around the ice, giving away the puck. He's a giveaway machine. No look passes. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it really is. Like, 
I, I don't understand. How does he not get talked to by the coaching staff? How does it, that happen every single game? How do they let that happen? He's, he's a golden boy. I don't know about that. Well, he's from the right part of the world. Yeah, I guess. And I, and I do think it, it is a fact, and, and the English media and the French media both talk about it, but Montreal will probably cut their French-speaking players more slack when they're not doing well. And I think this is a case of that. Uh, and and I, I understand why, and I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it, ex- except to the extent that it might be hurting the team by icing somebody d- game after game who's a bit of a train wreck when it comes to g- giveaways. Yeah, do you remember that player? was LeBlanc, maybe? I can't remember his first name. But he was drafted by Montreal. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be like the next big thing. He never amounted to anything, and he, he wasn't criticized until like the last couple of seasons when he really wasn't doing anything. Then his girlfriend freaked out on Twitter. He's, she's some snowboarder, I think, or something. And then, <laughs> I don't know. Then he got traded. At, he's nowhere now, I don't think. But right. uh, he was cut a lot of slack by the by the media just because he was French. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, anything else to say about that game? Oh, all kinds. Oh, yeah. But Thomas. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Tatar guy. Tatar guy. We now know who he is. His <laughs> name is Derek Toulouse. And he has, he just created a Twitter account this month. Yeah. He has uh, already four or 500 followers, including me. <laughs> and he's only got one tweet, which is his video from last night where he redoes his Thomas Tata thing. That, mm. And for those of you who don't have any idea what we're talking about, uh, last Saturday night on Hockey Night, well, Hockey Night in Canada, one of the broadcasts, they just happened to have a camera out in the concourse where the fans would walk between periods or even during the play, and they're out to get a, a pop, a wobbly pop. And he had at least, he had one in his hand and probably several more already dealt in, with. Inside, Inside. Yeah. And he walked by the camera and said, ta-ta. And then he walked back and said, ta-ta, again. And the camera followed him. And then he walked back a third time, pointed at the camera and said, Thomas. Ta-ta. <laughs> and it's become a meme. Yes, it has. It's everywhere. Jeff Molson last night, when Tatar scored the first goal of the game, he tweeted, he's the owner of the Montreal Canadiens, he tweeted, Thomas, ta-ta, yeah, with did. all these A's. <laughs> and so it's being caught up uh, everywhere. It's kind of like Dart Guy that the Leafs had. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But uh, he's quite the dude, and, and he's just a young fellow, and uh, he's having fun with it, and good for him. And Thomas Tatar actually reached out to Derek yes. and got him some free tickets yes, for an upcoming great. game. So that's that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I'm hoping that Montreal actually takes advantage of this and uses it over their PA system when he scores a goal or gets a point, <laughs> and they just play that little clip because that would be amazing. It would be amazing. And then the whole crowd does it right after the yeah. announcer does it. Yeah, it would be awesome. You know, Tatar has uh, six goals in the last six games. Yeah. 17 points overall now. He's really bought into playing in Montreal. Yeah, he's loving it. And they're, and the fans are loving it. And this, sometimes there's little moments that really don't mean much in the big scheme of things, but they they gel something or they, they coagulate something good. And this might be something, just some something as silly as this, where it becomes a funny thing. Yeah. And the funny thing becomes a bonding thing and it becomes a performance booster. There's going to be t-shirts made probably and all kinds of stuff. You'll see that you'll see it around at games. Uh, yeah, anyway, it's pretty cool. I don't think Montreal wins that game last night or Drouin has a chance to score that goal if it wasn't for Michael Delzato and the dumb, dumb, what? dumb penalty. What was that? When he hit Kotkaniemi. And then he's afterwards, he's looking around saying, what was that all about? And he gave an interview after the game saying, I don't know what they called that for. 
He lost them the game, clearly. Absolutely. He he pastes Kotkaniemi up against the boards long after the puck has been gotten rid of. Yeah. And there was no way he could deliver that check legally, and he did anyway. And what a ding-dong. I don't understand. I mean, I, there's a, it's an emotional game and stuff, but that was just stupid. Yeah, so I think Vancouver lost that game as much as Montreal won. Yeah, no, Montreal didn't win that game. Vancouver mm. lost it. Yeah. The Pittsburgh-Ottawa game was interesting. <laughs> uh, Murray was pulled, and uh, I think it is his third time being pulled in six games, if I'm not correct. Uh, but Pittsburgh almost came back. That third period was absolutely wild. It was crazy. Uh, but Ottawa scored some absolutely incredible goals in that game, and that's actually why I'm wearing this hat. It's a new hat. Thirty-nine thirty, new era. Ooh, I got it for two dollars and eighteen cents. <laughs> it's all about guys. It's all about the deals. <laughs> I already have an uh, an Ottawa Senators hat over there, hmm. but it's one of my lowest quality hats. So I wanted to take advantage of the sale and get this. And so I'll. I don't know, put that in a tote or give it away. I'm not sure if anyone wants a used hat, but it's there. Uh, let me know if you want it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, that game was very exciting. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh almost came back. Ottawa scored some some pretty some pretty impressive skilled skilled goals. And with all the drama going on in Ottawa, it's so hard to do that to 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 play like they're playing because it's easy not to try when you're when stuff is going wrong and there's drama and stuff, it's easy mm-hmm. to not try and just do what's expected of you. The fact that they're coming out and, and winning these big games, that's the hard part. Yeah. That the, the fact that they're doing it with all the stuff on their back, it's impressive. And Pittsburgh did what Philadelphia almost did, yeah. which is come back to tie. Ottawa was up 5-1 early in the third period in that game. And Pittsburgh scored three goals, made it 5-4. Oh, I thought it was 5-3. No, it was 5-4, and then Ottawa scored to make it 6-4, and then the game was over. But it was 5-4, uh, right up until late. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, man, I, I thought for sure it was 5-3. I'd, I'd even almost take a bet that it was 5-3. What do you want to bet? Or do you not want to bet? <laughs> um, but you, The actual score of the game? No, I know the score of the game, but the progress of the, of the scores of the game. Oh, I think it was 5-3. And then, and then Ottawa made it 6-3? Yeah. Oh well, I'll have to go. I'm I'm in the, Are you in the box score right now. Um, yeah, I'd bet. Uh, a large fries at McDonald's. Yeah, here I'm in. So, <laughs> you're correct. Thank you. Thank you. Large fries coming my way. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Anyway, it's a good game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I thought it was the other way around. I guess I. Got the two Pennsylvania teams' games uh, conflated. No problem. No problem. Uh, next game, the Florida and the Rangers game. Hmm. Uh, Luongo let in some little, a few soft goals in that game. Uh, goals that he should have, or shots that he should have had for sure. But he battled a lot in that game. He was run into by the opposing players, by his own team. <laughs> I think Trocek took him out there on one play. And uh, he, I think he had a pretty frustrating game. He was, there's a lot of, a lot of people up in his kitchen, so he wasn't very happy about that. But anyway, that's a big win for uh, big win for the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. And I think Lundqvist. You were telling me last night that he uh, broke a record or something. Well, he passed he, he passed Jacques Plante right. for the most wins by lifetime wins by a goalie. So I forget the actual number, but it's it's high. And Plante was number seven and tied with Luongo and yeah. with the win. Sorry, uh, Lundqvist with the win 
Lundquist passed him and now is sole possession of seventh place. Well done. All-time wins. The only other currently playing player in the top ten is Marc-Andre Fleury, who's at number ten. And wins? In in record. I think it's I think it's wins. Luongo's not there? No, I don't think he's there. He's got to be there. He's got to be there. Okay, let me check. I'm not betting anything else against you. I already lost a, a you large You want to bet fries. another large fries? Come on. He's got to be there. I didn't notice him on the list. He's fourth. No, oh, okay. I didn't look up that high. Man, you should have bet. I could have got another large fries. <laughs> no way. I'm, I'm, I'm not that stupid. Martin Brodeur, 691. Patrick Waugh, 551. Ed Belfour, 484. Roberto Luongo, 475. Okay. Roberto Luongo's going to pass Ed Belfour by the time his career is over. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie. And Lundquist is going to... He's back at 438 now. He might. Yeah. He's got some eight years left. He might get up there. Oh, man, it's going to be rough. Though. Look at the nationalities. Are you on the same page that yeah. I'm on? Well, I'm, yeah, Canadian flags for the first six, and then a Swede, and then a whole slew of Canadians. Right out, of, out of the top 15, 13 of them are Canadians. Yeah. Dominic Hasek and Lundquist are the only two that uh, aren't. Mm-hmm. Ryan Miller's in 17th. John Van Breesbrook is in 6th. 16th, sorry. Tom Barrasso's in 19th. Nabokov is in 21st. Wow. Carey Price, 37th. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got lots of time to get up there. but Pekka Rene and Carey Price were neck and neck like two seasons ago as far mm. as wins. And now it's not yeah. even really close. Rene's way ahead. Yeah. yeah. Carey Price and Jonathan Quick are tied. Felix Poffin's in 49th. That's a damn shame. Yeah. That's a damn shame. The cat. Kelly Rudy's in 44th. <laughs> Kelly Rudy. Kelly Rudy. Where's your bandana, Kelly? Yeah. Anyway, uh, what game were we? Oh, right. (laughs) The next game, Columbus and Carolina. Darling led in some pretty soft goals there. Columbus was doing a or not Columbus. uh, Carolina was doing a lot of puck watching. And Columbus played well. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but I watched the highlights, and that's what I saw. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Now, did you see any of the Boston game? I did see a little bit, uh, just highlights. So Boston won 2-1, and uh, Halak was... Incredible. Like Boston didn't win, or Arizona didn't didn't lose because they sucked. They lost because Halak. Halak was awesome. And that did you see what happened at the end when the puck was right in the crease? Was like less than a minute left, mm. and Halak was kind of like he already had made the save, and the puck was laying in the crease. And I can't remember what the defenseman it was uh, took like gloved it. Oh yeah, the saw the, yeah, the, saw the glove. Yeah, yeah, that was epic. That that was quite something. Yeah, yeah it was down on the the other end. Um, that is the 13th straight win for Boston over the Coyotes franchise. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, did you see, oh, did you see the Malkin save? Yes, I did. Oh, I guess we were watching that. We part, were watching yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, Malkin made an unbelievable save. <laughs> yeah, his goals against average is uh, fantastic. Yeah, his save percentage is, save percentage is, is unbelievable. Is amazing. <laughs> um, in that Boston game, did you see the number of letters they used on the jersey of the guy who got the first goal? Uh, no. Jakob Forsbacka Carlson. He's got actually Forsbacka Carlson on his jersey. <laughs> Did you need like a magnifying glass to? It jersey? goes from elbow to elbow, all the way up around the back and down. Like it's crazy. It goes from elbow to elbow. Well, no, I'm, I'm oh. exaggerating. It but would the, have been awesome if it but did. But the letters are a lot smaller than a regular. Yeah. Than a regular player's uh, because they just need <laughs> the font has to shrink because they've got this name that's massively big. Interesting. Yeah, but good for him. You know when you fill out forms online, and. You can only have so many characters in a 
mm-hmm. and you're in a, in a field. I wonder if every time he has to fill out his name and type in his name, he never has enough room. What does he do? <laughs> I don't does know. Does he pick the first part of his last name or the last part? Does he just put the initials? These uh, are things I need to know. Okay. Well, I'm sure there are listeners and viewers out there who can let us know. Someone tell me. In the case of people who are from Latin America, for instance, they usually have four names. Uh, four and names. Four names. And there's the first name, the the second name, like the given first two names. But then the last two, one would be the father's name and the second one maybe would be the mother's name. So if someone's name is uh, Jose uh, Manuel Gonzalez Francesco, you'd call him Gonzalez. You wouldn't say the last name. Okay. Yeah. And so in Spanish, if you see four names, the last name you should use if you're just calling him Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so is the third one, not the fourth one. Hmm. Just so you know. Interesting. How do yeah. you know that and why do you know that? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> just one of those random facts. Back to hockey. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings lost to the Nashville Predators 5-3. to three. Los Angeles continues to struggle, have mm-hmm. some injury problems, obviously, in net. Uh, I think Campbell got injured recently, and obviously Quick is injured, so they had Peterson in net. Uh, he made some, actually some pretty big saves last night, and but so did Pekka Rene. Both goalies made some highlight real saves, and uh, it's a big win for, for Nashville to get, get their top spot back in the league because with Tampa winning yesterday, earlier in the day, they actually oh. passed oh, okay. Nashville. And uh, with Nashville winning last night, they passed Tampa Bay again. So a bit of a back and forth there. The Edmonton-Calgary game, we watched the entirety of... Did we ever? What a physical game. Oh, man, it, it was, was great. It was a definition of Battle of Alberta. Yeah. For those who don't uh, follow Canadian hockey so much, there is a rivalry that matches any other rivalry in hockey, I think, and that's the Calgary-Edmonton Battle of Alberta rivalry, which Edmonton uh, has dominated over the years. But my goodness... Uh, last night was fantastic. And they almost dominated the game. They were up 2 nothing. They were up 2 nothing, And they were playing very well. Calgary wasn't showing up. They were lackluster the first two periods. Edmonton was owning this game. It's all about discipline. Because Edmonton was very undisciplined. I think it was Matt Cassian who went after uh, Kachuk there in the first period and like almost sucker punched him, basically. Uh, you know, Kachuk was doing some talking. He's... he's He's playing the pest role. He plays it well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cassian fell for it. And Calgary got like a four-minute power play, I think, out of that. They didn't do anything with it. but No. It, it was. It, I think it was that moment that I that I think everyone realized that Calgary's just playing with Edmonton. They're just trying to, to go with them into, into stuff. And well, Edmonton fell for it. They took a lot of penalties in that game. Mm-hmm. And Calgary capitalized. So, I mean, at the end of the game... And these Edmonton players can can look at the Calgary players and be like, yeah, we can probably beat you in a, in a fight. With we got Darnell Nurse, we got Lucic, we got Cassian. There's I'm sure there's other people on the team who can can throw their weight too. And but Calgary's just gonna look at the scoreboard and be like, guys, it's four it's four two. We won. We don't care about fighting. Uh, we're gonna score goals, and that's what they did. So it's impressive. And they came back for the sixth time this season in the third period to win a game. That's league leading. That's a, that's a pretty big stat. That's very impressive. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the way Calgary played in that third period was uh, a textbook. Yeah, absolutely. It was awesome. And they almost did it to Montreal earlier this week. Yeah. It could be seven. But yeah. yeah. Uh, the last game was the St. Louis-San uh, Jose game. San Jose won four to nothing. 
Carlson got his first goal, like we said. Aaron Dell with a huge shutout. I think that's the fourth of his career, fourth or fifth shutout of his career. Um, Brittany was at that game. Oh, yeah. Patreon and, right. and uh, Discord member Brittany. Unfortunately yeah. for her, it was a... Unfortunately for her because she's a St. Louis Blues fan. But uh, she had great seats right in the corner, I think. Uh, she posted a picture on Discord last night. Um, yeah, that wraps up the games last night. As far as games today, Dallas plays the Islanders. The Devils play the Hurricanes. Uh, Minnesota plays Chicago. Colorado plays Anaheim. Vegas plays Edmonton. Want to make some predictions just for fun? Okay. Who do you think wins the Dallas Islanders game? Uh, I think Dallas bounces back. I think Islanders win. Okay. I'm going to write these down. You do that. Everyone at home, hold us accountable. <laughs> uh, New Jersey and Carolina. Uh, wow. Jersey. I'm picking New Jersey as well to win. Minnesota and Chicago. Uh, Minnesota. This is tough because yeah. Minnesota's been hugely flying under the radar in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Chicago's had a bit of a bounce back, especially this week. Corey Crawford's played very well. Uh, so I'm at, I'm going to pick Chicago as the uh, underdog here, and they're going to come out with the win. That's what I'm saying. Colorado and Anaheim. Colorado. I'm picking Colorado as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and Vegas, Edmonton. Wow. Uh, Edmonton, they're mad. They're mad, yeah. They're mad. And they're home again. And they're home. Uh, so I think Edmonton is I'm gonna... picking Edmonton as well. Yeah. We, uh, we still have the predictions going on on Discord, by the way, if anyone... Hasn't joined in on that. Uh, people are are just going ham on the predictions. It's <laughs> like hundreds of people are playing this the predictions we, cool. uh, with with our bot on Discord. Having a lot of fun with it. Doing very well. I think Gravity is uh, I think in first overall with a hundred. I think it was one hundred ninety nine points at this at this point. Uh, I do not partake in the predictions mainly because I I don't have time to to log on Discord every day and do it at the appropriate time. But I do like making predictions, and that's why I wanted to do that for today's games. Mm. And depending on how the games go, you'll know why I don't make public predictions very very often. <laughs> uh, the next thing on my list is the Hall of Fame. We probably could have talked about this last podcast, but we had other other stuff going on. Did you see the names that were inducted? I certainly did. Okay, so let's go through them one at, uh, one at a time, and you can tell me if you agree or not. Uh, Alexander... Yakushev, is that what it was? Yakushev, absolutely agree. I don't even know who that is. So there's only uh, he's only the third player from the 1970s juggernaut that Russia put on the ice for the Canada series and some of the other international play. Yep. Tretyak and uh, is it Valerie Karlamov is is already in in the league or in the uh, Hall of Fame, and it was it was time. Uh, he was a tremendous player. Yeah. Tremendous. And after it, I read up on him a little bit yesterday, after he was done playing, which was around 1980 when he stopped playing for uh, Team Russia, he coached Moscow Spartak for a while. He refed for a while. Really? Yeah. He did some other interesting things with hockey. So he's quite the fella, and uh, I'm really glad to see him in there. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Martin St. Louis is the next person. Definitely. I'm, I was a little on the fence, only because of his size. He did so much with how small he was. Yeah. I don't even think he was drafted. He was never drafted, no. He played, uh, I know someone who knows him, actually, uh, who was involved with the McGill University hockey community back in the day when he was uh, just in college hockey and knew him then. And the prospects for him being drafted were very small, and of course they didn't. he didn't get drafted, yeah. mainly because of his size, and he got picked up on a tryout, and 
The rest is history. I think it's a great testament to perseverance for him to not only get into the league and play, but to play at the, the elite level yep. for so long and to get out maybe on his terms, yeah. I would say, because he wanted to spend more time with his kids exactly. when they were still growing up. I, I just think it's a wonderful story. Yep. I, I'm happy that he's in there. I'm glad he was inducted. I just think maybe there's a couple people who yeah, deserve maybe it more so. than him. Yeah, it might be a timing thing, but I'm happy yep. with it. Uh, Willie O'Ree. Oh well, we have not really a personal connection with, but he's he's from from Fredericton. That's right. He's the first African American to play in the NHL. There are arenas in in Fredericton named after. There's a Willie O'Ree Arena yep. in Fredericton. There's actually two, I think, arenas or ice services in that building, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, so pretty cool for us to to have a local be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And he does a lot for the league as well. He's the youth ambassador, I think, is his title for That's the right. NHL. Uh, so he he does a lot of promotion and, and uh, working with kids and growing the game that way, basically. They showed an, an interview uh, with him. I think it was in last week's, one of last week's broadcasts, yeah, it was. where he gave an interview in the early 1960s when he was with the Bruins. And to hear him in that interview and then later on, uh, he was a good spokesperson even then. Yeah. Considering what he would have had to have gone through. And we think mostly about the color barrier. It's baseball. It's Jackie Robinson. Yeah who interestingly actually broke into the white leagues in the AAA ball in the 1950s playing for the Montreal Royals. Oh, really? Before he went on to the uh, the big leagues. Interesting. So he broke the color barrier in Montreal. So it's another Canadian first. We have a Canadian first when Jackie Robinson first played pro ball in a white league. It was up in Canada. And Willie O'Ree from Fredericton breaking in with the Boston Bruins. So nice. I think it's great. Yeah, uh, it is great. Uh, Martin Brodeur. I'm surprised it's this early. He's definitely he definitely belongs there. I just don't know if it's now. I'm surprised he wasn't already in the league or in the Hall of Fame while he was playing in the NHL. Like everyone <laughs> knew he was going in, but yeah. uh, I'm super happy about that one. Yeah, I'm very really. glad. Yeah. Gary Bettman. No, absolutely not. No, are you kidding me? You I'm can't su- put yourself in the in the Hall of Hockey Hall of Fame while you're in the position of like who is in the hockey who is in the Hockey Hall of Fame that was put in the Hockey Hall of Fame while they were doing their current position. Nobody. Nobody. Now, we shouldn't leave the listener with the impression that the Hockey Hall of Fame is controlled by the NHL. It's a completely distinct and separate institution. Doesn't matter. I I know, but it's not like Gary Bettman picked himself to go in the Hall of Fame. And what happens if next year he completely screws up the NHL? Many would argue that's happened time and time again already. Well, yeah, I can agree with that, but his career is not over. He could do something disastrous to the NHL, another lockout. He could say something ridiculous. He could get caught for doing something, whatever. There's so many things, but like (laughs) his career is not over. I I completely disagree with this inducting of Gary Bettman. For me, whether I like him or not, and I'm not a big fan of Batman, I will acknowledge that he's got stats behind him that shows how he's grown the game in, in terms of money and and reach in, in and all of, of that, and broadcast contracts and everything else. However, I agree on the general principle, pardon my popping of my pee, on the general principle that you shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame until your career has concluded. Mm. And his career has not concluded. I agree. So I, I think that's the main principle there, no matter who you are. You wouldn't induct uh, Sidney Crosby into the Hall of Fame right now. Exactly. Even though we all know he's going to be. Exactly. 
You just wait till he's done, and then there's a, a cooling off period that we need to have. Yeah, I just assumed that that was going to be a rule. That 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 was a rule. I, I, I can't believe too. that it's not. I was surprised that uh, while still in your current position, for which you're being inducted, yeah, it's not like he was a great player who's now an executive and he's being inducted as a player. Exactly, that's different. Yeah, he's being inducted as a builder. He should have declined. <laughs> yes, he, he should. If he was a good man, he would have declined. Well, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm being a little harsh. Yeah, just a little. Uh, okay. Injuries. Have you seen all the Hold injuries? It now. What? We have not finished with the Hall of Fame. I didn't write down the other name because I don't know who that is. Jaina Hefford. I have no idea who that is. She played for Team Canada for 20 years. Gold medals, World Cups, uh, outstanding female player. I'm not, saying outstanding. She doesn't, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve to be there. Well, of she does. maybe she doesn't in your mind because you don't even know who she is. Well, <laughs> I, I recognize the name, but I don't like know her accomplishments other than a few gold medals. My apologies. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't do it to be rude. I know, but you really should. This, you're a hockey media celebrity now. And you <laughs> should, you should play, pay more attention to what's going on. I acknowledged her induct, inducting. I just didn't write it down. You didn't acknowledge it. I did personally when I read it. <laughs> I'm not saying she doesn't deserve to be there. She does. Okay. There are all, all kinds of other women on Canadian teams and American teams and Elsewhere, they deserve to be in there as well. But I think if you really thought she deserved to be there, you would have at least committed her name to your memory. Well, I was trying to keep it like NHL specific for the most part. So how does Karlamov fit in there? He, or Yakushev? Because he played against the Canadians in the 72 series or whatever. Or the, didn't he? Anyway. In 78 or whatever? I'm, I'm busting your chops here a little bit. <laughs> oh, I know you are. <laughs> but uh, still, I, I do think uh, she is deserving. Uh, she's a builder in her own right as well as a player because Absolutely. The, the women's game has come so far in the last couple of decades, and she's a big part of that. So good for her. Oh, I don't disagree. I was just trying to keep it NHL specific. I know. So, I know. Anyway. But in doing so, you eliminate women completely. <laughs> I was, that was not my intention. I know. It's like not whatsoever. It could have been a dude who played in the AHL for ever or something. I don't know. Like Don Cherry. Like Don Cherry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Is he in the Hockey Hall of Fame? I have no idea. He probably should be. I, I don't know what you'd put him in as, though. <laughs> like, there's the builder, there's the media person, there's the player, there's the owner, and but there's no clown category. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of uh, John Cherry, like last night, his mispronunciation was, it would make what Bob Cole say? look like a genius. His ablicator. What did he call him? He called him Akbar. Akbar. Or Akabar. Ak- Akabar, he called him. <laughs> and then Markstrom, he called him Markington. <laughs> It's not hard. <laughs> I know I screw up names all the time, but yeah, not that bad. But if you if you want to get a laugh and you're not from Canada, find it on YouTube. Watch Coach's Corner every Saturday night, and you will hear at least half a dozen names mispronounced by yeah. Don Cherry. <laughs> it's like and he, he does, does it on does, and he doesn't care. It's like a Saturday Night Live skit where they're yeah. trying to be funny or something. Like Roberto Luongo, he's been playing forever. Roberto Luongo's been playing for like seventy years. In the NHL, and Don Cherry keeps calling him Lolongo. Lolongo, yeah. <laughs> Please. Anyway, um, injuries. Have you seen all the injuries recently? Not all of them. Elliot out two weeks. Mm-hmm. Vasilevsky out four to six week, four to six weeks with a broken foot. I'm surprised it's only four to six weeks. Yeah, it's remarkable that that can heal in four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vatnin, Maroon, Bortuzzo, Carlo, Subban, Arvidsson, Crosby, Mathot, Lad, Fowler, Howla, Campbell, and Eves. Wow. All within the last basically week or two weeks. Dropping like flies. These are some pretty big, crucial, mm-hmm. integral players here for, for some of these teams. That's, we don't realize it. Uh, like you, 
usually some person like the the typical hockey fan follows their team they they hear of an injury or two over the season when you look at the league from above you don't it's kind of shocking how many injuries collectively there are spread amongst amongst all of the teams it's a physical sport mm-hmm. the most physical other than football maybe that football is 9 seconds of intense brutality yeah, but followed by 27 seconds of standing around. Standing around, looking at injuries. Yeah. But, yeah. No, it's, uh, hockey's a grueling game. Although, talk about grueling. You and I watched a bit of the rugby game, the repertoire oh, yeah. between Canada yeah. and Germany. Germany, yeah. Wow. Those guys are rugged SOBs. They're amazing. And the play doesn't stop. No. That's they, why it's interesting. They just keep going. Yeah. And occasionally it'll stop because they have to do a line in or a kick or something, but oftentimes they just keeps rolling. All these different series will go and go and go. And yeah. Oh, it's incredible. We were watching and not knowing anything that was going on. It's so, <laughs> I played rugby as a high school kid a little bit, so I generally know the rules. Yeah, like you, you, but, can, you can pass back, you can't pass forward. And right, and, like and, you, and you get these big long lines of people just yeah. passing the ball and and running it, and but... The, the refereeing was amazing. The referees talking to them, they, they'll all go down in a big pile and you can hear the referee, he's got a mic on. He'll go, are you okay? Are you okay? And okay, and play on. Yeah, and keep going. It just, it's amazing. It's quite something mm, to we'll watch. We'll have to watch it again soon. Yeah. Um, just while we're still in hockey, yep. uh, before we go too far, Thursday night, Ottawa and Detroit played in Ottawa and the Ottawa Senators, as part of Hockey Fights Cancer, they had a ceremonial puck drop uh, with a young gal by the name of Julia Miller. And what she didn't know, she's a hockey player herself and she has cancer and they brought her out to drop the puck. So she walks out all by herself on the ice on the red carpet with the puck, getting ready. And the two players are probably skating towards the, uh, the center ice area for the puck drop. And unbeknownst to her coming out from the opposite side of the arena, like behind her back, her entire team came out. I remember you telling me about that, but I didn't see the video. Mm. Uh, so I'd like to see that. Okay, but, I'll share it uh, with you. Well, not right now. No, no, I, but I'll uh, <laughs> make a, yeah. just make a note to to send it to me. Uh, but that that's pretty cool. We sometimes we see stuff like that in in the game, and it's pretty special. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing that, that the NHL really does right is do their hockey hockey fights cancer. Uh, I think they only used to do it one month of the year, and maybe they still technically do, but we see it quite often throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And I know teams, some teams like change. I think it was Vegas last year. Changed all of their ads on the boards to pink. Oh wow! Try that or that pink color, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, pretty cool. That's great. I have a question for you. Okay, go ahead. It's an opinion question. Oh, players give interviews quite often in between periods after the games. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think players should be allowed to give interviews at all? And if if yes, when? I, I don't think it's a matter of being allowed. I think any, it, we have rights of free speech and things. A player should be able to say whatever he wants whenever he wants to say it. But should we expect players to give interviews between periods and have these big scrums taking place in the dressing rooms after every game where every player says the exact same thing they said the other time? Yeah. It's such a waste of time. And I just think the media should stop going into the dressing rooms and asking these dumb questions. I agree. Now, if the team wants to put two or three players out each time to speak to the media, maybe the, the the winning goalie or whoever scored the winning goal 
or whoever got first star, put two or three players out into the hallway to talk to the press for a few minutes and maybe a coach's press conference. They have to do them now. I'm fine with that. Yeah, but I to agree. have players with microphones stuck in their faces and all they're trying to do is get their jockstrap off and, and get <laughs> home. It's just, it's such a waste of time. I, I think it's awful. I don't like in-between interviews, no. in-between period interviews. I'm I'm a little okay with after-the-game interviews because everything's over. Mm-hmm. But to interview a player in-between periods, I mean, there's speeches and, in, in, you know, that you're trying to, the players are talking in-between periods. The co- you're, they're listening to the coach. They're trying to, Okay, here's what we need to fix. Here's what we need to do better. Oh, where's where's Gallagher? Oh, he's not here. He's out there giving an interview. Like I don't think I don't think players should be expected to give interviews in between periods. And it, like you said, it's a waste of time because they just it say really the same is. thing over and over again. All it really does is provide the broadcaster with a little island of content between two commercial breaks. Exactly. Yeah. That's all it really is. And literally, that's it. Let's face it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's frustrating. Now I have another question for you. I was thinking about fighting in the NHL. I was thinking about this in the. Eminent Calgary game last night while, we're, while, while we were watching. And a lot of people want fighting out of the NHL. And I think the NHL, there are some within the NHL who probably want fighting out of the NHL as well. Now, the traditionalists, like myself, want fighting to never leave the game. There, I don't think there's any right or wrong opinion. It's just an opinion. But I was thinking about a concept that would allow fighting to be in the NHL, but there would be much less of it. All right. And it involves money. It always involves money. So players are still allowed to fight whenever they want, whoever they want, in any game they want. But when they do fight, they forfeit half of their salary for that specific game. So if a player makes $30,000 per game, then they're forfeiting $15,000 in that game to fight. Do you think that would work? Uh, I've never... I never tried to wrap my mind around such a concept. Do it now. I, I will do it now. <laughs> no. Why? Because it's either you want fighting out of the game or you want fighting in the game. Just to have less fighting, the, the way to do that is probably to increase the penalties. Uh, make it make it an automatic game misconduct. If, if you've got a fighting penalty, you're gone for the game. And someone else serves your five minutes and you move on. Uh, that wouldn't be a salary hit, but it would get the player off the ice. I think a lot of players, for some of them, when it's $30,000 a game, and many players make more than that. Yes, they do. They probably don't break down their wealth in terms of how many games they play. So I, if you're making $6 million a year, and I don't think it's going to stop me from dropping fifteen grand just so I can pop off on somebody. Well, they get paid like we do. They get paid like bi-weekly or whatever. <laughs> They do. Do they? Yes, they do. I didn't know that. Yeah. But still, would they feel it in their paycheck? Oh, dang, I only got 187000 for the last two weeks instead of the you know, ninety nine that I'm used to before taxes. Well, I mean, when you when you only play four games, say you make $30,000 a game, and you play three games that week, you're making, making $180,000 in two weeks. Right. If you... If you you're miss, if you if you have payments, maybe you have a, seven Lamborghinis, and you're missing fifteen thousand dollars. Like, no, it's you don't think it's significant at all. Oh, I, I think it's. I don't think it's a serious question. <laughs> I guess that's, I'm back to that. I don't think it's a serious question. It's not. So, the, you don't I, think the account the accountability should be on the players? 
No, I really don't. I, I think that uh, the league has structured its penalty system to, to almost force fighting to happen because the, the league can say all it wants about wanting to reduce violence in the game and hit injuries and all that. And that's the part of it that bothers me. Actual fighting, I, uh, I like watching it. But it's when the two players go down after they've got in their clinch and they fall, if one player hits his head. Yeah, with George Peros. Exactly. A couple years ago. Or a, or a helmet gets knocked off and someone just takes a, an actual punch to the skull and it really rattles them. That's the part that I don't like. If it's if it's going to be allowed to continue, I don't know how. You, you let it continue to happen if you are really concerned with head injuries. So my entertainment value of wanting to watch hockey players fight is is really overcome by my other value, which is to make sure NHL hockey players, all hockey players, are safe. Okay. And that That's my problem with, with fighting. But because the league doesn't properly discipline on-ice events, fighting happens because they're trying to settle something that the referees won't settle. Yeah. And that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Then on the other hand, there are players who will launch into a fight and take down a guy who just delivered a perfectly legal but violent check on, on an opponent. I saw that th- three weeks ago? Yeah. And that bothers me. I think any fight that starts because of someone retaliating for a legal hit, that should be a game. I agree, actually. I, I legit agree because that would stop it. Because it's, so. it's a huge problem in, in the league right now. It's terrible. Yeah. Because the NHL does want to, to increase hitting. Yeah, they, they said it in their GM meetings That's recently. Right. They, they want to boost that because it's it's fantastic to watch. The the, the flying check, that's mm. not a charging check, just two guys just whammo. Like the big uh, nurse, who hit who hit nurse last night? Was it? Bennett, I think it oh, was. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I love it. It's clean hit. Clean hit. It's awesome. And Lucic, I think, delivered a nice clean one, which is not always when he's playing. But <laughs> Did, Was it Giordano that he hit? Yes, I think so, yeah. yeah. But I love those, but I hate the retaliation. Now, there wasn't any of that last night. I think the, you know, the, the teams behaved poorly generally, but after those hits, they were quite well behaved. Yeah, but, I yeah. agree. Yeah. All right. Um, Pittsburgh. Problems in Pittsburgh. Wow. What's going on? Man. All the same talents there. It, that's the thing, right? It hasn't. The team's changed, but not that much. Connor Sheary's gone and a few other cry, or, uh, Kunitz, isn't it? Kunis is gone. Is gone. Sherry's yeah. gone. So there's a few changes, but not enough changes to go from Stanley Cup winner a year and a half ago to worst in the Eastern Conference now. I saw someone saying that Sidney Crosby might get traded. <laughs> what are you talking about? Get away That's not going to happen for like three reasons. Number one, he's got a no trade clause. Number two, if he did get traded by Pittsburgh, uh, the arena and all the ownership's houses would be burned down because they there would just be a massive riot. And number three, Sidney Crosby doesn't want to go anywhere. Hmm. I can't imagine he doesn't want to go anywhere. Like, I can't imagine Sidney Crosby wanting to go somewhere else. You can't blame Sidney Crosby. And he hasn't played the last two games. It's yeah. like, come on. <laughs> uh, he, he's fighting a bit of an injury right now. But I, I think Sullivan, even though he's a new coach, I guess, a little bit, I can still consider him to be a bit of a new coach. Yeah. He's only been there a couple of years. I think he's in trouble a little bit. Uh, I don't know if he deserves to be fired. I don't think he does, but I think he's in trouble. I think there's only so much you can do with that lineup. You can't trade Crosby. You can't trade—you're not going to trade Malkin. No. You're 
likely not going to trade Murray. You're not going to trade Latang. You're not going to trade Kessel. Like you're. That's you're, right. You're, you're, the core of your team has to remain. Exactly. So what can you change that might make a difference? Going to a third line forward or a third line defenseman is not going to make any difference. Yeah. The coach might make a difference just to a wake up call, which I think would be unfortunate. It would be unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I think we can all expect some changes uh, of some form coming to Pittsburgh. Yeah, something's got to give. And I think I've heard them say that there are out on the market. They've got some players dangling. They got Daniel Sprong dangling. If anyone wants them. Yeah, Rutherford has come out and said, like, yeah, we're ready to make some moves. Yeah, but I again, I don't think that will fix what's broken. Nah, I don't. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And it's Pittsburgh, right? So in three weeks, they could go on a 10-game winning streak, and people will be like, oh, yeah. remember that time that you lost six games in a row? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Funny. Uh, now, where's my parade spot? Yeah. yeah. that's I, I'm not that worried. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely things that need changed. Yeah. There are a lot of giveaways. Matt had a terrible giveaway in that game last night. GM meetings, I guess we already touched on a little bit, but there's a bit of Seattle talk. Yes. Um potentially coming in 2020 depends on the arena mm-hmm. i think uh 2021 at the latest i think they said obviously that depends on lockout season as well because we know that's coming so yeah yeah if uh, the seattle ownership group can persuade the board of governors that they will be ready for the fall of 2020 and that's their mission to do that yeah uh, they likely will get a vote that will give the franchise to seattle the seattle blanks insert name here <laughs> Uh, for that season. So that's the year after next. We could have 32 teams in the league. What do you think about the Seattle Earthquakes? Uh, other than the fact earthquakes kill a lot of people. Well, so do so does lightning and uh, And the hurricanes, hurricanes. I know. But uh, I, I'm okay with it. <laughs> like, But Seattle's not really... They're in the ring of fire. There's no question. They have earthquakes in, in yeah. northwest Washington state. And all the way down through California and up into BC and the yeah. Queen Charlotte Islands and all that. So earthquakes would be, it would fit, but uh, I don't Just know. Just think about the possibilities. Someone tweeted this at me, I think earlier this week. Think about the think about the possibilities of colors. Like black jersey with like red, like lava kind of on it or something. The, picture the logo. You could do so much with the logo. I'm, I love it. What about the Seattle Volcanoes? Volcanoes? Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm just, if you like lava, that's probably more yeah, of a volcano was, than an earthquake. That's what I was, yeah. <laughs> I, and maybe I meant to say volcano because that's what it was. It was volcano. Was it? Not earthquake. Okay. I'd be, I'd be much cooler with that. Volcanoes are pretty awesome. Yeah. Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> Stop throwing things at your monitor. Oh, I know why I said earthquakes because I was reading somewhere else that someone was considered that they wanted it to be the earthquakes. Oh, okay. Sorry, I got the two situations <laughs> mixed up. Yes, the person on Twitter was talking about the volcanoes. Okay. Which would kind of make sense because uh, St. Helens is Mount St. Helens, and uh, basically right there, all basically. the mountains there are are or were active volcanoes at one point. But Mount St. Helens and Mount Rainier was a volcano. Yeah. So yeah, what I said about the Jersey being black and whatever. Now that makes. <laughs> Makes more sense. Yes. The Seattle Volcanoes. Okay. Think about the logo, the possibilities, the I, colors. I, I'd be quite cool with that. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It would be very cool. But volcanoes kill a lot of people. Yeah, but only if they don't get out of the way. <laughs> At least with volcanoes, you have time to get out of the way. So do hurricanes. Well, hurricane, yeah. If you, you have time to get out of the way. Yeah, but people are idiots and they don't move. That's right. 
but volcanoes is pretty hard to not move when the lava's going up your leg. Well, um, yeah, most people flinch when that happens, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I prefer that name to Kraken or some other sea monster or some crazy thing yeah. far better. A natural phenomenon like a volcano would be all right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Understand. Understand. Right. Uh, streaks. Do you see the streaks recently? No. What? Are you thinking about different kind of streaks? <laughs> well, I am, and here's why. Uh, probably nobody saw this but me. I do have it PVR'd to show you after the podcast. But in in British darts, in Premier League darts, darts. I, there was this these, this guy, a Scottish guy, played a Dutch guy. Okay. And the, the Scottish guy won. They interviewed the Dutch guy, and... Basically, he said, I couldn't play because it the smell was so bad on stage. What? I thought he crapped himself. Pooed like himself? The, yeah, he pooed himself. And they asked the Scottish guy, like, did you, you know, no, it wasn't me. I, I, you could you could, you could stick your finger right there now and it wouldn't smell. It's something like that. It was just the grossest. But it was a hilarious interview. And okay. the minute you said streaks, well. <laughs> okay. But I will show it to you later. It's. It's so funny that it's really inappropriate to go oh. into any more detail here. All right, sounds good. But, but it's <laughs> as far as NHL streaks. We... <laughs> okay. Wow, you're having a time with this one. Uh, Buffalo <laughs> is on a five-game winning streak. Toronto's on three. Columbus is on three. Vancouver's on a four-game losing streak, and Pittsburgh is on a three-game losing streak. So yeah, lots of streaks in the in the NHL and darts apparently, and <laughs> anyway, uh, instead of going through my players of the week and stuff, I I picked one player and I picked one goalie. All right, my player of the week is Joe Pavelski. Four games played, six goals, three assists, nine points, and four games. That's uh, that's including a very good game last night by Pavelski. I think he got two goals. That's pretty good. My goalie of the week, I guess. I mentioned him earlier, I think. Mm. Don't know. Corey Crawford. Oh. Two games played. That's not unusual. Yeah. Usually goalies and teams split. If you're playing three games, a backup will get one of those games. Um... A 93 save percentage, goals against average of 0.48 in those two games. Wow. And a 983 save percentage. He's back. Well, it's only two games, so we don't really know, but uh, <laughs> two big important games for, for Chicago, so that's really? awesome. Right on. Now, um, I want to talk actually, I was going to do the, the viewer questions, but I want to skip that and talk about NHL refereeing. And we saw... I think, I don't know who the linesman's name was. I was going to say it, but I, I lost it. It's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, the linesman stepped in during the Darnell Nurse and was a Bennett fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they stepped in way too early. Like, I don't I don't understand. And they're doing this more now. And Darnell Nurse was, like, just yelling, like, let us go or let's go or something like that. Like, yeah. Let's, like, let us fight. And it, I pissed me off at the time because I want to see them I want to see that. I want to see good tilt here. Like this is the Battle of Alberta. You can't break up a fight in the Battle of in the Battle of Alberta. Like, come on. Yeah. Anyway, do you think the refs are doing this because 
they are being told by the Refing Association or whatever it's called? Or do you think the NHL is in the ears of the Refing Association and telling them to tell the refs to jump in? Do you think the NHL has something to do with this, or is it the refs themselves? I think it's just individual choices still. I don't think it's a movement uh, that comes from the NHLOA or from the league itself. I think they're just, they saw a pause in the action yeah. last night, or, or that guy, whichever guy it was. They were behind the net, so there wasn't a lot of mobility. They couldn't really skate away from anybody. They, right. were, they were trapped, and there was a lot of players and officials around. And at one point, Nurse and whoever it was were, were throwing, but then they stopped and they were in a grapple, just probably only to take, get to their breath, and that's when, the, when they jumped in to break them up. Uh, I think it was a little premature myself, but I don't think it's a. It's part of a movement. I think it's just in the moment. I think it's a movement. Oh, and a bad one. Bad movement. A bad movement. Okay, might lead to some streaks. Um, that's that's all. I, that's all I gotta say about that. Yeah. Um, okay. I do have a few topics. Just one we talked about last night that maybe you still are intending to mention, which is the concussion lawsuit. Oh, yeah, I guess we spoke a little bit about this we did. off camera, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think the NHL won a big lawsuit recently. Well, they didn't win the... And I tried to find what they did win, and I think I think I have it figured out now. Uh, there was a movement by retired players, about 300 of them, to take the league to court over unsafe playing conditions and promoting the kind of play that would lead to concussions and head injuries and so on. And what... There was a movement to do initially was to turn the lawsuit into a class action suit. And a class action lawsuit means not just us, but everybody like us is now part of this, unless they want to opt out, right? So let's say, for instance, you got some bad chicken fingers from a company. Jane's. Jane's, that constantly is coming out with food warnings about salmonella. Uh, Let's say that you wanted to sue Jane's because... You had streaks. <laughs> yeah. And then you wanted to have everybody else across the country who's a customer who also may have similarly had streaks to also sue Jane's with you. Right. So you're going to do the work. You're going to hire the lawyer, but then you're going to allow other people to join with you in a class action suit. The class is the group of people. Yeah. So what they attempted to do initially was these retired players wanted to try to get a class action going, which would expand their group from 300 to several thousand retired players. The NHL fought that. They fought the the motion to designate this as a class action suit, and they won that fight. Okay, okay. So they, it was a big win for the NHL in court, but they didn't make the suit go away. They just yeah. they shrunk the group of people who were suing yeah. down to that 300. And now it looks like they've reached an out-of-court settlement with those 300 players. Hmm. If, if, if what I read is right, none of these details are public, but if what I did read is right from insiders, if any one of these 300 players who originally signed on as part of the group suing the NHL, if any one of those players pulls out and says, I don't want this settlement, then the NHL has the right to walk away. Huh. So right now, I think what I've read, the settlement is for $19 million. Wow. Overall. For 300 players. And get this, of the 19 million, 7 million would be hived off right away for legal fees. Yeah. Leaving 12. And then there, another part of the fund would go to uh, players who weren't part of the lawsuit who still may be injured. So to have brain 
uh, analysis done up to 25,000 or 50,000 a player to have scans done and treatment for traumatic brain injury. Right. So the actual cash money landing in a player's pocket is probably negligible, but there might be at least a fund set up to help people get treatment that have now retired from the NHL. And it wouldn't include any existing players, of course. And the class action would have included probably everybody. Right. So it's a it's a win-lose situation, I think, for everybody. It's unfortunate. What side are you on? Well, we didn't, nobody knew. It's it's almost like the smoking business. They, they sued a lot of tobacco companies who in the 50s yeah. and 60s were promoting the lifestyle of cigarette smoking. And everybody was cool and they had a smoke and it was in the movies and it was on all the TV shows. Everybody was smoking all the time. And then the, the lawsuit started once we all figured out that, oh, smoking actually is bad for you. It causes things like cancer and emphysema. And the question was, when did the tobacco companies know that it was unsafe? And then how much time passed before they acknowledged that it was unsafe? So for how long, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, were they promoting smoking knowing it was killing their customers? I guess, but so I... With the NHL, I don't think you can attach the same degree of blame because nobody was really paying attention to an accumulation of traumatic brain injuries yeah. until just a few years ago. And, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a physical game. It's not like you make the decision to play a physical game. It's not like the Army where... You go out and you're told what to do and you need to go fight in this specific place that's going to be dangerous, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. You don't really have a decision. You signed up for the army. You have to do what you're told, basically, um, for the most part. And they're compensated for that if something happens. You know that. Yeah. And obviously. Um, in the NHL, it's a physical game. I don't agree with Don Cherry very often, but he was talking about it last night. And he said that people who are suing, and I think this is happening in the, was it the OHL or something too? Or, I don't remember what, what league it was in, but I think it's ridiculous that you're trying to get money from like you knew it was a physical game, you knew what the risks were. Mm -hmm. uh, I just think it's I just think it's silly. And feel free to disagree, but that's I, my opinion. I think somebody getting in now knows what the risks were, but someone who got in 15 years ago probably doesn't know what the risks were for a long term. Like, and we think I'm, about the Steve Montador situation where Steve Montador died suddenly, right? And only later when they autopsied saw the degree of brain injury that he had. Uh, and only then, not only then, but that, that was a, a major turning point for the realization that it's not just happening in the NFL and it's not just happening in wherever yeah. it's happening in, in hockey, despite the fact that we started wearing helmets in, in the 1970s and the NHL mandated that everybody had to have a helmet on. So the, the NHL could say, maybe successfully, that they did what they thought they needed to do yeah. to make sure people stayed safe. And they didn't know any more than the players did at that point. So I don't think they did. Uh, that's why, I listen, the NHL does a lot of things I don't agree with, but I'm 100% on their side in the, on this specific mm -hmm. scenario. The NFL ended up in a settlement with their players. Yes, it they did. It was like a billion dollars. There's a movie about that with... Yeah, Will Smith. It? Will Smith, yeah. yeah. But it's, you know, it was a huge thing. Yep. And the NFL, it's a little more obvious. It's head-to-head -head contact all the time at, at the uh, scrimmage line, all the time, just yep. crunching into each other. Whereas the NHL, maybe a little less so. But uh, even things like mouth guards. Mouth guards aren't there to protect your teeth. 
they're there to prevent head injuries. Like the shockwave of... Yeah, the yeah. jaw up into the upper skull and rattling the brain. Yep. So the mouth guard is really to cushion about that. It's not not about your, your chiclets. Your chiclets, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, and that, that NHL player suit was fi- originally filed in 2013. So here we are five years later yeah. and we're just getting to a resolution now. Hmm. Um, Anything else on your list? Just one other thing. Okay. It goes back to Thomas. Ta-da! Okay. I saw a very interesting tweet. No, sorry, it was a comment in The Athletic after a story about Tatar and how well he's doing. Yeah. And someone commented, and I looked it up to be sure that it was true. So I'm going to run a little quiz by you. Oh, okay. Thomas Tatar came to us from the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. Along with Nick Suzuki, who we haven't seen play in the NHL yet, right. but who everybody is excited about. He's playing the OHL, I think? OHL for the Owen Sound attack. And I guess he's attacking up the yin yang. 30 points in 20 games. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So Craig Rivet came, or sorry. Craig Rivet. <laughs> Did you just give away the answer? Maybe. <laughs> what was the question? Thomas Tatar came to Montreal in exchange for Max Pacioretty. Yeah. Max Pacioretty came to Montreal as a draft pick. He was the 27, 22nd pick yes. overall in 2007. It was Montreal's second pick of the first round because the 22nd pick came to Montreal from San Jose along with Josh Georges. Oh, I, re- I remember that trade. In exchange for Craig Rivet. Huh. So you talk about trades. Montreal got Josh Georges and eventually Max Pacioretty for yeah. Craig Rive. And eventually Thomas Tatar. And eventually Thomas Tatar. <laughs> and Nick Suzuki, who's not even played a game yet in the NHL, yeah. he may be 15 years from now, the best thing that ever happened to the Montreal Canadiens. Hmm. All from that trade where we took Craig Rive, who at the time was in his 30s yeah. and well past his prime, somehow got the San Jose Sharks drunk and convinced them <laughs> to give us Josh Georges, who turned out to be a pretty solid D-man for yep. Montreal for several years. And eventually that 22nd pick in 2007, that became Max Pacioretty, who we got a lot of good hockey out of before things yep. kind of went Absolutely, sideways. Absolutely, yeah. And now we've got Tatar and Suzuki. That's all a continuum of trades that I think is, and that predates Bergevin too, by the way. Yes, it does. We're back into probably Sir Savard time or something. But uh, that's, I love that connection, that linkage and following trades through. And it's not done. And it's not done yet. Yeah. That's right. It'll it's keep not going. Done. It'll keep going. <laughs> I'll have to keep up with it. Keep producing benefits for years to come. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, I'd like to do the viewer questions now. Oh, yeah. That's okay. okay. Sure. Uh, so you have them on your computer. I do. And uh, I have them ordered so you can play number one first. All right. Make sure your volume's up. I'll take it off mute. We're good to go. Ready to roll? Yeah. The first one's from on... Andrea, I think is okay. name. Hi, Neil and Brent. My name is Andrea Morana. I'm from Caledon, Ontario. And my question to you today is, do you think Buffalo or Arizona will become a playoff team, if not this year, but next year? I would like to hear your thoughts and opinions. Thank you, and go Sabres, go! All right, thank you so much for the uh, question there, Andrea. Uh, I think that we're seeing a Buffalo team who 100% could be a playoff team or is a play. Well, they are a playoff team right now and could remain a playoff team and could probably do some damage in the playoffs depending on who they play and, and yeah. the matchup. Uh, we're looking at a, at a Buffalo team that is, for the first time since Hasek days, probably a very competitive team. And it's exciting. So, yeah, I 
100%. Buffalo is a playoff team. I, I completely agree. Uh, Arizona, not so much uh, for now. Arizona's just... They're just a little bit they're, short. They're inconsistent. Yeah. And that's... It's it's frustrating because I really love Ante Ranta. Uh, they have some other players as well. Clayton Keller. Galchenyuk, I guess. Only because he was a Montreal Canadiens player. I didn't really like him that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think Arizona has potential, but I would not consider them to be a playoff team. I, I don't think so. Not this year. Not this year. Maybe next year if they gel a bit. Buffalo, though, they can do it now. They, this season, they can do it. They're, they're doing an amazing job. They have 26 points. Uh, they're, they're one point more than Montreal. And uh, Montreal, we've been pretty high in Montreal, or I have, and Buffalo's exceeding that even. Right now, if the playoffs began today, based on the standings as they ended last night, you know who Buffalo would play? Um, Toronto? Toronto. Yeah. Toronto. And they're only two points apart. Toronto has 28 points, Buffalo with 26. And uh, Buffalo has, uh, they played the same number of games. And Buffalo has two more home games than away games in the remaining ones. And uh, it's, it's a great story out of Buffalo. They've got some fantastic talent, and they've had it for a while. They were the Edmonton of the East for a while when they had these big draft picks. And yeah, but now they're they're delivering the goods for the fans of Buffalo. It's great. I'm not sure if my math is correct, but are they trending to be above 100 points? Oh, uh, I think they are. Well, they are because they've played 20 games, and they have 26 points now. So if we go to an 82 game schedule, that's basically quadruple. 26, that's 104 plus maybe a point. So they're trending for 105 yeah, right I was now. Yeah, I was thinking 108, but yeah, yeah that's um, that's impressive. It's very impressive. I mean, look what they did for points last season. It, remember what Colorado did mm-hmm. a couple of seasons ago? Um, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so next question comes from uh, Gage. He's back with another question. Gage, already. Hey, guys, it's Gage again. Currently, there are six teams in the NHL that don't have a captain. That would be Detroit. Ottawa, Toronto, Vegas, Vancouver, and the New York Rangers. My question to you guys today is, who on these clubs do you see being the best next candidate for the captaincy? Thanks, guys. Thank you, Gage. I love those maps in the background, man. (laughs) I love maps, and those are vintage maps from way back, so Mm. that's awesome. Where's Gage from, do we know? Uh, I think he's from Texas. Wow. Maybe. I I thought he was a Dallas fan, I'm not sure. Gage, let me know. Great question. And I learned something in that question. I didn't know there were six teams that didn't have a captain right now. I actually didn't either. I thought there was four. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea. I knew there were a couple, but that's, I hadn't even thought of it. I'm not one of those people that thinks captaincy is is a huge deal, except when it's a captaincy that's doing something bad. Yeah. Like if someone's a captain that they shouldn't be, Pacioretty last year is a great example. The fact he was captain actually, I think, hurt his play and hurt the team. Not that he's a bad captain, it's just the pressure on him, did it again, the pressure on him is uh, was immense, and I, in a bad way. Yeah, I agree. So teams don't necessarily have to have a captain, and certainly the captain doesn't have to be the best player on the team. It needs to be the best leader on the it team. It needs to be the right player. Yeah. yeah. It needs to be the right player. So to the question, though, for Detroit, I think if you look at the most senior player, it's Nicholas Cronwall. They've got Cronwall, Helm, Glendening. Green, Nyquist, all been there for a long time. Yeah. I don't see Helm in that role. I don't either. No. Uh, Cronwall, maybe. So I, I think he would be... Green would be my choice. Okay. Just because he's uh, he's been around a long time. Mm-hmm. He's played for a lot of good teams. 
So Green would be my specific choice, mm-hmm. but uh, that might be the better choice. Cronwell, Cronwell he's probably. he's in his last year before he's a UFA. He's thirty-seven. He this may be the end for mm-hmm. him. So it, if it was something you wanted to not make a hard decision on for now, you could give it to Cronwall. Well, let, was, let him play the year out. And yeah, then decide over the summer. I was thinking that for Green as well, mm-hmm. because I mean, who do you want to be your captain in Detroit? Probably Larkin. Yeah. Eventually, so you want to give it to one of these senior guys for a couple of years, and then yeah. once Larkin's ready, to take I look to Larkin, and he's he's got a long contract, and he's but he's so young. Yeah, he's he's a little he's bit too so young. young. That's that's all. Yeah, uh, Ottawa, Ottawa. You look at the player that was the highest profile over the last several years. It might be someone like a Bobby Ryan, but he's struggled badly. He's done well lately. Done a little bit better, but I think. A captain needs to be the kind of player that can put the team on his back, and I think that's a Mark Stone. I completely agree. That's who I have written down here, Mark Stone. Yeah. Uh, Not only for that fact, but the fact that everyone else on the team is interchangeable, Mm -hmm. especially with this Ottawa team. Any one of those players could be out the door, and I I don't think Mark Stone's. I I think he's the only person that's not in in danger of going anywhere. And he's only got a year left. They have to re-sign this guy. Yeah. If if Ottawa doesn't re-sign Mark Stone, I think it's worse than... The debacle of Carlson. I think so too, hundred yeah. percent. Yep. Yeah, I would love to have Mark Stone on my team. Heck yeah! I would. I would pay big money for Mark Stone. I'd pay huge bucks. <laughs> You'd leave streaks. <laughs> I would leave streaks going to the bank, going to the bank machine. Uh, yeah. Toronto. Toronto. I think Marlowe's the the oldest, most senior player in the team, and has a lot of maturity that he can transfer in the dressing room. Tavares, uh, after the incredible career he's had already, now he's only, what, 31, whereas Marlowe's in his late 30s. Either one of those guys, I think, would be a good pick for captain of the Leafs just because of the the credibility that they've they've amassed as part of their playing career. Those would be my guys. Uh, I would choose Matthews, actually, mm-hmm. uh, for the single fact that he he has the ability to take the team and put it on its back. Uh, he has a, He's very mature for his age, extremely mature. And he is the future of this team. No question. If Matthews, in my opinion, if Matthews does not get the captaincy and Tavares does, Matthews will resent the team for it because Tavares is going to be there for the next eight years. Mm -hmm. And if, I don't know, I think Matthews would resent the team a little bit. You think so? I think so, yeah. I'm just, uh, someone who's in their entry-level contract, uh, I just... Not that it's risky necessarily, but I just think it's it's early, and he's young. He's he is a leader. He is all those things that you said he is, but I just think he's a bit young. And, and I was not a favor of a fan of the Connor McDavid being captain. Me early. either. And 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 now he proved me wrong, uh, or the Sidney Crosby even being captain. I agree with right that away. as well. So I, I just I don't know if it's always a good idea, but I think everything you said is correct. Okay. So the thing that we're saying is there's a lot of good choices on Toronto for oh, yeah. to be a captain. So yeah, they're in a, they're in a good position. Uh, Vegas is a little more interesting. A little more. They're such a brand new team, and have they developed a culture yet? Uh, Derek Engeland is a coach or is a player that's that's a carryover from last year. Pacioretty, who has been captain, but again, we can debate whether that's been a good or bad thing for Please him or do the team. Not exactly. Make him so that that might be the natural choice you'd be thinking of because he wore the C for many years, but probably not a good idea. And he's just starting to find himself now, I think, in Vegas. And good for him. I hope he does great. But uh, then you've got Riley Smith, who's already wearing the A now. So he's got a bit of a leadership role on the team. But I I think for Vegas, it's a bit of a crapshoot. I really don't know. Yeah, March or so uh, could yeah. be another choice. He's good. Yeah. Uh, for me, honestly, after watching the team in person and intently on TV, 
The person I pick is Belmar. If you watch Belmar, he's not though. He's not a flashy player. He's not going to get you a bunch of goals. He's not going to get you a bunch of assists. He's consistent though, uh, and c- communication-wise, Belmar is probably the, right up there on the top hmm. of communication. He's always talking to the guys and stuff, and I I think he's pretty well respected. He's a bit of a veteran at this point, uh, so that would be my pick. Maybe a little bit of an untraditional pick, but uh, he would be my pick. Okay, very yeah. good. That leaves uh, two teams: Vancouver. Um, and the Rangers. Yeah, Vancouver. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking back to the game last night and who did well and who stood up and stepped up for Vancouver. I didn't really see any flashes of, of excellence there. Among them were senior people. Obviously, Peterson or Pedersen is fantastic. We yeah. didn't see Besser. Uh, so these guys are new. At some point, they'll be playing leadership roles. But I think... The candidates are people that we didn't see last night because they're in, they're on the injured reserve list. Guys like Alex Edler, for instance, who's been with the team a while. We've got Brian Sutter, Brandon Sutter, rather. Um, so maybe maybe in that direction, okay. uh, they, they've they've had some I think a time themselves. All right. but I really don't have a great opinion. I, don't, I I confess I don't follow Vancouver very closely. I have a very strong opinion. And that is Bo Horvat. Oh, yeah. I really think Bo Horvat needs to be the captain of this team. If it doesn't happen soon, I will be very disappointed. He he is a great choice, other than for his age, for the same reasons as before. He's so young. But he is the type of player that can shoulder the team and carry it across the line if he yep. has to. He's amazing. Definitely. He's amazing. Yeah, good, good choice. Rangers. Rangers, man. I would, I guess I just fall back on a Mark Stahl. Uh, I don't know much about who's leading the Rangers anymore. Uh, you don't follow them that I much. I don't follow them that much. I really don't. And uh, I know they've had, they often will bring in, in the past, they've brought in older talent to try to stabilize yeah. the team. But they've announced last year, earlier this year, that they weren't doing that anymore. They're rebuild. So you're going to see a lot of young faces, a lot of trans, transitory players. So maybe uh, someone's going to stick around like a Mark Stahl. He's, he's Signed for another three years, right? Yeah, this year and two more. I mean, they have some players like Shattenkirk is yep. a veteran, but he's new to the team. New to the team, yeah. I would personally choose uh, Mika Zibanejad because he, I think, leads by example the best on the team. He's won so many games for, for New York just on his play alone, just putting the team on his back and getting it done. Mm-hmm. So I he would be my pick, but I would be fine with a few others as well. Yeah. That's my pick. Cool. Um the next question is uh, Nick, back for his third okay, question. Yeah. So, uh, Nick, let's uh, let's see, hear what you have to say. Hey, Neil and Brett, it's Nick again. And this time my question, um, not mainly because of the Blackhawks, but it's somewhat related. With the youth movement going throughout the NHL, where players are getting younger, and that's what the NHL is looking for, do you feel like the... NHL is actually looking to hire younger head coaches. From what I've noticed, they in the off season, they were a little bit younger head coaches than normal. They were first year head coaches getting hired, and with the recent hiring of Jeremy Colleton, who's the youngest head coach in NHL history at the age of 33. Do you feel like that's part of the youth movement that's going on in the NHL for the new era of the NHL and younger and faster players to have younger coaches to teach the younger players? Thank you for taking my question. And on my behalf and the rest of Hawks fans, let's go Hawks. 
All right, Nick, thank you so much for the question once again. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. And um, thank you for watching just in general. We appreciate that as well uh, each and every week. So his question was about the the youth in the NHL, and specifically this time of coaches. How do you feel about what he was saying? Yeah, I guess it boils down to whether you think a mature coach can still appreciate and understand a young, speedy game. I, I think there's no reason why a mature coach couldn't be effective. So I, I don't see younger coaches being hired as a response to the changes in the game. I think it's maybe in some ways grasping at straws once you've seen the older coaches, your Alan Vigneault's and Quenville's and, and Claude Julien's and people like that, coaching various different teams and having quite a bit of success for a while and then having to ship out and move along. Um, sometimes you just reach down into the AHL or even a college level or a CHL level and, and pull a coach up and try them. I don't know if that much thinking goes into the hiring of a coach. I agree. I don't think age really yeah. plays that much of a factor uh, in coaches. I I think it's about the person, not about the age on the license. So I I guess I don't really buy into that very much. Um, but uh, he's not wrong. I mean, there's the, can you imagine in the 70s if one of the GMs was 28 years old? Like I can't remember his Arizona's GM. I always forget his name. Mm. But can you imagine if there was a, a GM in the 70s that was 27 or 28? Like, that just wouldn't happen. No. You'd never see that. No. So, I mean, he's not wrong. There is a youth movement, I guess, in the NHL, but I don't think... I think it's because people are just ho ho hockey smart. Yeah. There's more people that are just hockey smart, and those, sometimes those are younger players or younger people. So, um, I think it's just, just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, our last question comes from Jarrett. And, uh, all right, Jarrett, fire away. Hey guys, uh, my name is Jarrett. I'm from Clarksville, Tennessee. Go Preds. And this is kind of like a two-question type thing. Like, what do you guys think about the recent uh, uh, play that Arizona has been doing? Because they've been playing very well. Their gameplay has been phenomenal. These, I mean, I know they did have a three-game losing streak. But as of tonight, which is a Sunday, they defeated Washington 4-1. to And also, how do you guys think about the Predators' current uh, uh, play in the NHL right now because they are obviously having the best start to a season than they've ever had. And so I want to get your thoughts on what's been going on for Arizona and for Nashville. All right, Jared, thank you so much for your question. Uh, we really appreciate that. And um, you spoke about Arizona and Nashville. We already spoke about Arizona a little bit earlier. To me, again, just consistency. I think they have, I think they have promise. But they need to do it on a consistent basis. Like mm -hmm. they played well last night. They need to do that every single night. They can't. They can't play a different way in the next game. Yeah, the the four one win over Washington. You have to decide whether that's a fluke or whether it's a trend. And yeah. right now, I'm a little more leaning on the fluke side. Me but, too, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, Nashville, on the other hand, Whoa. have been playing such incredible hockey. Mm -hmm. Now, PK Subban, I believe, got injured uh, the other day, as well as Victor Arvidsson. So there's a bit of room there for maybe some AHL guys to come up. Uh, obviously, those injuries aren't didn't affect them last night. They got the win. Uh, they were playing Los Angeles, who's not playing great hockey right now. But uh, there's a guy down on their AHL team, uh, the Milwaukee Admirals, and his name's uh, Matt Donovan. Defense, leading the team in, in uh, scoring. Oh, wow. really? So you might see a, a player like that come up 
from from the minor not minor leagues but AHL whatever yeah, it's minors minors yeah uh, to give a shot uh, you don't really see that a lot in Nashville because they're so deep like that yeah they're so deep their healthy scratches could come in and play just as good as their superstars basically it's just, their team is incredible yeah but you might see a player like Matt Denovan come up from the AHL to get a couple games in well there's some injury stuff going on in Nashville but uh, there's nothing negative to say about Nashville Peck mm-hmm. Randy, last night was unbelievable so. Yeah. That's uh, great. Yeah, they're doing a great job. They're plus 20 in goal differential uh, so far this season, and they played 20 games. So they're basically outscoring the opponent, on average, a goal a game for every game they play. Yeah. And and the the, the next closest team is Toronto with plus 19. I'm shocked Toronto's plus not, plus anything. <laughs> because really? the, Well, their net gets filled with, with goals a lot. Uh, you know, Freddie's good, but the defense is terrible. And uh, Anyway, but Nashville is uh, solid, just solid. But they're... I guess they're technically tied in points with Tampa Bay. They both have 29 points right now. But uh, Nashville, uh, and they both played the same number of games, but Nashville has uh, 14 regulation and overtime wins, and Tampa Bay only has 13. So ah. Nashville is seated higher. There you go. As they should be. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're tr- tr- tremendous, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. I have nothing else on, on my list to discuss. We are at uh, one hour and 37 minutes on this podcast. Insane. That might be a record, actually. It could be. I hope your memory card doesn't run out like it did last week. No, that's okay. Yeah. I'm uh, good. You're good? Nothing else? I'm good. All I right. really enjoyed the new set. Thanks to all the uh, generous viewers out there who've made it possible to have uh, this wonderful configuration. Yes, thank you so much for uh, everyone on Patreon. Uh, we really, really appreciate that. Uh, it allows us to give away jerseys every month. It allows us to get better equipment. Uh, the next step will be a mixer, and we have to get you a new chair, actually, pretty yeah. soon. My tailbone's um, starting to feel uh, feel the heat right now. Yeah, there's a couple other things that we need, so over the next couple months or year, we'll try and save up as much as we can to get to get uh, that stuff to him, just to keep on improving, because we're not going anywhere, so uh, got to make this uh, got to make this look good. So. I appreciate everyone watching and listening. Uh, that really means a lot. We're going to film some videos after this one, actually. And one of those, I'm not sure if we'll do Having a Yak today, but I have Having a Yak questions prepped. So you can probably expect that sometime in the next two weeks. And that's going to be Having a Yak number 10. Nice. So it's ready to go. I'm just not sure when we're going to film it or when I'm going to edit it. Uh, so it won't, it's definitely not going to be tonight. If, even if we do film it today, you're not going to hear it tonight it'll be mid this week at the earliest uh otherwise we have some more where am i videos to to film on our second channel if you're not subscribed to our second channel we do a lot of fun we have a lot of fun on the second channel that's basically what it's all about we talk about other sports we do some trivia we do some geography kind of stuff like geo it's not it's not like I guess it is kind of like the game. Is it GeoGuessr or something like that? Or something like that, yeah. Never yeah, played it. It's like it. that, but yeah. not really. It's, it's our version. We like our version better. It's just yeah. a little bit more fun. Yeah. Um, so we're going to film, I think, two of those right after this. You'll see that on the second channel coming up this week. Uh, there are, is also a Where Am I NFL City uh, version coming on the second channel as well this week. So should be three, three videos coming on the second channel uh, over the next week and a half. And there should be... I think we have three post-to-post videos coming out early this week. Not sure about late in the week, but early this week, there'll be three post-to-post videos. And of course, this podcast. And thank you so much for listening and watching this podcast. We really appreciate it. I hope you're watching lots of hockey. hope you're having fun. hope we sounded okay with the new mics and the new setup and everything works out uh, okay. Appreciate your patience while we figure this out. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Adios.